Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Class is in session, and today we are talking all about East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana in honor of the brand new release, East 9 Monstrum Nox, that just released. To celebrate this event, I, Scott White, your host, also known as Professor RPG, has the pleasure of welcoming to the university community manager for the East website Digital MLS, fellow Adol fan, and host of the Jump and Shoot, a gaming podcast, podcast Joey Agalata. Hey, Joey. How's it going? Uh, good, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Agliata. But you tried Agliata. so valiantly that I almost didn't want to correct you. No, I, I I appreciate that you did. I appreciate that you did. But welcome. How are you doing today? Good, man. I just really wanted to correct the professor. That just gives me it's the fine. biggest ego boot. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. I'm not that guy. <laughs> no, I, I remember doing it in college. It, it feels so good. <laughs> Chef's kiss. But that's why I'm Professor RPG, not Professor Last Names, also, though. <laughs> but before we dive into this week's episode, we have a special giveaway. Thanks to the awesome folks over at NIS America, we are giving away two digital codes for the brand new East 9 Monstrum Knox for the PlayStation 4. These codes will work on North American PSN, so stay tuned to later in the episode where you'll get all the details on how to win one. But yes, we are here to talk all about East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana. This game initially released back in 2017. Uh, in Japan, it released on the Vita and in July 21st, 2016, and on the PlayStation 4 on May 25th, 2017. And I'm going to redo that part because that didn't flow well. So East, East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana initially launched back on the playstation vita in japan on july 21st 2016 it would then be about a year or so a little over a year before the before north america and europe got it and it came out on the vita and the playstation 4 in the u.s on september 12th 2017 and in europe on september 15th 2017 japan got the playstation 4 port a little sooner than us on may 25th 2017 Dana Lacrimosa of Dana would eventually come to the PC on April 6, April 26th, excuse me, 2018, and then also made it to the Nintendo Switch on June 26, 2018 in North America, June 28th in Japan, and PAL regions got it on June 29th. And just to get your mind in the scheme of what else you might have been playing in 2017, you could have also been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Resident Evil 7, Destiny 2, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, Near Automata, Divinity Original Sin 2, The West Got Persona 5, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Mass Effect Andromeda, and Fire Emblem Echoes, just to name a few. What a year. A very fine year. I know, it was a pretty... I know, the Switch came out and just started making money and hasn't stopped. 
Um, lot of lot of big games. We got the Persona. We got the Xenoblade. Uh, Divinity. Tons, tons of games. Tons and tons of games. But we are here to talk about some East. So, Joey, what's kind of your background with the East series and uh, Lacrimosa of Dana? Oh, when did you pick oh, this up? Oh, so I got a day one for PS4. Uh, so I, I remember, I'll get into this later, I'm sure, because I like to wax nostalgic, and I feel like you do too, mm-hmm. and that's a, a wax on, wax off dynamic. So, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I remember getting this game about three or four days before I left for vacation to Hawaii. So how very fitting. Uh, but I, I got into <laughs> the series when in 2014 or 13, when a buddy of mine was like, dude, have you played the Wise games? You'd really like them. <laughs> and I was like, no. And then he sent me like a clip of, of Ease Origin. And I was like, ooh, that looks really cool. It looks like a Metroidvania with stuff that I like mm-hmm. in it. <laughs> what a statement that is. Uh, but he's like, oh, <laughs> dude, uh, happy birthday. And then like b- bought me a copy of Origin on Steam. And mm-hmm. I realized, and I really liked it as I was playing it, and I, I, I realized that I had actually played Ease before. And I had played Wanderers from Ease on Super Nintendo, which is an awful game. Uh, I say this as a community <laughs> manager for Digital MLS, which is like probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, East fan sites out there. So my bias is fully disclosed. But no, I, I think that that Super Nintendo version is, I think the East 3 in general kind of stinks, but like, man, was that Super Nintendo one rough. And it made me cry as a kid. I don't even think I beat the first boss. I think I just rage quit and just forgot about it sealed it away in the vault of my memory only to be unearthed when i played through ease origin many years later <laughs> very cool very cool so you picked this up uh on launch day for the ps4 back back in the rough days of that localization yes. um mm-hmm. and so you, you you got to experience it in all its original glory yep and you know uh, what? Uh, I have to say, like, it, it was kind of a travesty in a lot of ways, having been pretty much adapted from kanji without very little, like, context. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was so excited to play an Ease game that that it just didn't bother me that much, in a, in a, in a way. Because it had been yeah. a couple years since I had touched the series, and when Donna came out, I was just like... I, I didn't even know it was really coming out. And it just, I remember a day or mm-hmm. so before I saw it and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to play this. This goes live in like 12 hours. I'm really stoked. And so I just, and plus I just wanted to power through it because I was leaving for vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm, and I'm very particular about the way that companies handle localizations, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, for me, I remember I I had had my eye on Donna coming out because my first kind of look into and experience with the East series was with Ark of Napishtim back on the PS2. I remember renting that. I never ended up owning it, but I remember renting it, renting it, and thinking it was a pretty pretty sweet action RPG. Like it was, uh, it was super fast. That was the one thing that really struck out to me. And since then. I had picked up a couple on PSP. Like I picked up and played through 
the East Book 1 and 2 collection on PSP and Oath of Felgana. <clears throat> when Vita came out, like I have the Vita version of uh, Celsetta and the PS4 version that came out last year in Celsetta. So like by the time East A came out, I was like, I knew kind of what I was getting into. Um, so I remember I had asked for it for Christmas. So I got it the Christmas that this came out. So Christmas 2017 for Switch. Um, and played through it. I love kind of the the bright colors. It was such a bright and yes. vibrant game. Oh, yeah. Uh, being in the Siren Islands and um, j- just the tropical landscape and the desert, uh, the, the deserted village. And um, I, it was... It was such a breath of fresh air, and it looked so good on the Switch because, uh, like, especially handheld, because I was still very much like, I love the Switch, and I still am, but um, didn't really run as well. Yeah, but, 30 FPS uh, hurts, uh, but yeah. it's it's playable for sure. Like, you know, it's not, yeah. not going to... To me, at least personally, it doesn't destroy mm-hmm. my experience. Uh, I didn't really play it on the Switch. Uh, my girlfriend did. And I kind of spectate mm-hmm. and backseat gamed for a little bit, tried it out. <laughs> um, and it's it's fine. Like, uh, it, it doesn't really affect your reaction times that much. Like, the, there's not really input mm-hmm. lag. So maybe there is by, like, a couple frames. I'm sure there is some native switch lag, as there always is. But it wasn't to the point where it was super noticeable. And I'm extremely un- obnoxious about that kind of thing. So Yeah. I ended up eventually finding it used on PS4, so that's like kind of what I what my go-to port or version of it is at this point. But um, but yeah, so which I'm glad I did. I got it when it was still pretty. Yeah, cheap I was just gonna say we'll into it, but it's very. These expensive. games have gone up in price. Yeah, the, these games have gone up in price. Indeed, and I think um, now, like, uh, if you're if, if if any listeners to the show are at all interested at all interested i didn't even mean to do that oops <laughs> i see what you yeah. did there oh Jesus you're so clever Kristen. Uh, anyway uh if anyone listens to this and is like interested in getting into this series uh i would you know just check check ebay uh do do your thing if you want physical get on it now before uh nine takes off a little bit because uh, it may be cheaper now than later mm-hmm. but even then it's still going to be like over retail price for these games I, I actually i'm a dumbass and i did not buy physical and like for a long period of time and i missed out on ease eight's physical release so i wanted to get the mm-hmm. collector's edition and this is about six months ago i hounded for like over a year on ebay trying to get a decent price for it mm-hmm. finally got it so it's it's rough nice. <laughs> it's a rough racket <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially like with these more niche titles, which unfortunately East still is to to some extent. Um, yeah, they they don't get very big print runs, but so this game, uh, it retains the kind of quick three or triple swapping mechanic that was introduced. I want to say in Oath of Felgana was the first. No. It was E7 was the first one where you could swap yeah, the first party, members, party right? system game. Uh, but that concept uh, was implicit in even Arc because the switching up party members functionally, like in terms of how you attack and like mecha- like the properties of your attacks, mm-hmm. is pretty functionally similar to the Arc the swords. swords. Yeah, yeah, you got it. So 
Um, so, like, let's talk a little bit about the the cast uh, here in Lacrimosa of Donna. What were what was your go to party? Uh, Adol always, uh, always just busted ass dude. Um, my my favorite party is Adol Donna and Ricotta, but I don't like Ricotta as a character. I just think that she's broken. Um, <laughs> but so I, you know, I, I'm kind of iffy on this cast because I love them and hate them equally. Like I love the ballsiness of Hummel because he's just like, what a weird character. What a strange quirky, mm-hmm. like, and you think he's this incredibly serious, like taciturn dude. And he just ends up being a neckbeard. You know, and that's glorious. <laughs> Glor- I mean, not that like the fedora should have given him away. Yeah, but it, like it, it's just a really funny, silly arc for a character that. It, one thing I think that we'll start to get into as we start talking about this game deeper and more granular, granularly, <laughs> is that this game does a really interesting th- job of subverting your expectations, and Hummel yeah. is like the microcosm of that. Uh, and then con- contrasted to Laxia, who is just the most almost offensive Sundara stereotype. <laughs> um, yeah. She's kind of whatever. Uh, and then Ricotta's fine, but she's just sort of there. And Sahad fills a stereotype as well, but I think he's a little bit more likable and ridiculous than somebody like Laxia, for example. Yeah, Sahad, I, I like to rock. Uh, Sahad and Hummel, um, but like going back and uh, playing a little bit of East Eight leading up to this, like I had forgotten how like I had kept from my mind uh, Lashia, Lashia is just like how you first meet her and she's oh, yeah. just like that prim proper like I can't it's just, it was too much and then they do happy old jovial sahad <laughs> it was like okay you, you stay you can laxia you can you can peace out it's like too much <laughs> i like uh i i usually don't like the fast characters like the the fencing characters in in action rpgs mm-hmm. uh so i'm a little biased on her play style too but one thing that kind of bothered me a lot about her was the introduction to her character when you know it's like that really fan servicey oh you caught me bathing scene mm-hmm. um which i hate but i will i will give falcom some credit for not sticking with that as much as they would have in trails if this were a trails game that would have been brought up 400 times and there would have been three other bathing scenes but in ease 8 you only get <laughs> that one introductory however cringe but at least it's short-lived i guess so, but yeah, I, my point with bringing it up was just like, it didn't mm-hmm. do any, any favors for, uh, Loxia's character to me. Yeah, I agree. I just thought the whole situation that she had just suffered this horrible shipwreck and everything. And then somehow she, she like found it. Yeah. It's, I'm just going to randomly start bathing here, man. She doesn't even it have to like, was, there's like her clothes cover one inch of her body like she's got like thigh breathing room it's probably pretty nice she didn't need to take a bath yeah no (laughs) it's like whatever but but no i for hummel like i just loved his design i just think he looks like a badass (laughs) and he does until you realize Uh, he's not 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's when you just kind of turn down the volume and you don't pay much attention. <laughs> um, so what are some of the moments that like really stick out with you in this game? Like what makes East 8 special for you? Pickles. <laughs> no, I mean, well, honestly, yeah, though. So there is like, again, subverting ex- your expectations, right? You know, you go into the game and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so I get it. I get the premise. I'm shipwrecked. I got to find my dudes. And then you start to get a feel for the game, and then the game throws that 180 curveball of now it's a murder mystery. And mm-hmm. that was huge because I was like, what the hell? Like, it, it, it just, you don't really expect it. It's still a little tropey, but the way that it hits you is, is huge. So that's one. And then the second one is I, the Hummel thing, too, because that just, like, sets another tone. And then the third mm-hmm. part is, like, when the game goes full anime. <laughs> you know, like, the whole <laughs> ending sequence and everything that, that, that happens there. And, um, yeah, I would say that those are the three, the three big moments. The Nameless Ripper part, the, like, the uncovering of secrets of the characters and then mm-hmm. the, the the final like act i guess i know that's more broad yeah. sorry but how about you what's no, what is your that, moment uh, i think my big one was when adel comes upon donna mm-hmm. like for the first time and like the two timelines kind of the convergence point as it were um it was just it, it was I just I love that scene uh and that sequence so much and being able to bring her into my party finally and finally uh the mysteries were coming together and and everything was getting good so. I liked the the interweaving plot lines there and usually that ends mm-hmm. up being distracting or you know kind of uh punctuating the pace of the game in a, in a strange way but I think that eight did it amazingly well for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a series, cause remember that, you know, until E seven, you were just sticking with at or in the case of origin, mm-hmm. you know, your playable character, but you know, this is like the first time that a, uh, one of your party members became an incredibly centric part of the plot in a way that's involved. So you're playing that person's role yeah. and it didn't feel like the show was being stolen. It actually, it actually added another layer of dynamism to the storytelling of the game, which mm-hmm. yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to give it, I have to get a lot of credit for that. I like Donna a lot more than I thought I would too. Yeah. Uh, one aspect I, I, I love, like, the little nod was in the beginning of, like, when you're fighting the Kraken right at the beginning of the, the, the game on board the ship, and Adol pulls out the, the ultimate weapon from, from the East previous Five. game, chrono- chronologically from East yeah. 5. Um, little nods like that I love, uh, and one aspect I love in uh not really a spoiler but uh, in east nine adel references always just happening he just always happens to lose like the best weapons oh in the previous did games. they did they actually make in a line out of that that's interesting uh yeah 
Because um, as, as uh, Scott and yeah. I were talking about this before the podcast, but I, I've only played Ease 9 in Japanese, and I don't know Japanese. I know zero Japanese. <laughs> um, so I, didn't, I, I, I don't think that was in the Japanese version. If it was, I missed it. But uh, I, I think it's interesting because they do this with a lot of East games where Adol loses all his stuff. Uh, East two mm-hmm. or his, his memory. memory. Yes, Alceta and <laughs> and ev- and his ship. Every time he's on a ship, he loses that too because that's that's his favorite thing to destroy. Um, he, he should just never go on a boat. No, no, ever. keep that man landlocked forever, forever. Uh, but th- they do the Metroid thing of explaining how he loses his powers or whatever his his abilities or weapons, mm-hmm. and I think it's very tongue in cheek. And I like that. I appreciate that. The mm-hmm. lamp shading there. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a big line. It's when you forge the the best the adults legendary weapon in nine, there's kind of dialogue options that you can have. This this isn't really a spoiler, there's an ultimate weapon. But <laughs> no. you make it <laughs> it's an RPG. And then one of the option and one of the options is just like him thinking to himself, I'm gonna lose this sometime, aren't I? <laughs> or I'm gonna lose this at some point, or uh, just like a tongue-in-cheek thing like that, and I got a, a crack up out of it because it's it's so a serious staple that he just magically loses these intricate, incredibly powerful artifacts and swords every adventure. Uh, the fact that they're making a point to reference, I thought was was really funny, but how the game starts with him losing this ultimate weapon from east five uh reminded me of it. i'll tell you one thing that at is not losing as these adventures go on and this extends to uh ease eight as well is sex appeal baby everybody wants a piece of that ass literally everybody yep. male female parrot question mark <laughs> fish fish want that booty like it's it's marvelous. You can write dissertations about Adol's attraction, I guess. <laughs> I mean, his design in this game is pretty damn good. And I would honestly say East 8 has the best, or at least my favorite, uh, character artwork. It's good. I love the art style used in this. Like the, the like sort of like very pastel color, mm-hmm. wa- watercolor at the same time. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love the art for this game so much. Um it, it, you know it's hard it's hard to to follow this game a lot because especially contrasted with East 9 uh you know and it, I I bring this up as just a a point counterpoint thing cuz you know 8 is on a pretty limited graphical engine and mm-hmm. it makes it work you know so well the art direction is fantastic it has it's on virtue of being a vibrant colorful setting by nature but i think it just uses all the tools at its disposal in such a captivating way and then you compare that to ease nine which is uh, a very gothic almost suffocating architectural style and everything and that's intentional oh yeah but like i love that contrast and i think you know when you compare eight to not really compare them but like when you see them juxtapose them i guess you know it's you you really see the scope 
of the series and mm-hmm. damn <laughs> so I, I i you know like for people who haven't played eight i think if you're going into the series for the first time and you want to know which one to play before the other or whatever um it'll be i actually almost don't recommend following eight with nine you know i would i would you know punctuate that time with something else um because the east games are told out of order so every the whole series is framed as travel logs or adventure logs or journals mm-hmm. from adventure at all Kristen. and you know they're all out of sequence so like the there's a direct sequel of 1 and 2 that happens like minutes within minutes of each other but yeah they're basically two parts of the same game yes. like that's in pretty much after they released initially back on, I think it was like Turbo Graphics. No, PC88. No, prior Turbo Graphics, PC88. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty. They've always pretty much been bundled together because they're so intrinsically linked. But um, yeah, between eight is the sixth game chron- chronologically. Um, so it takes place before E six uh, Arc of E six Arc of E seven and Monstrum Nox, which is currently the furthest ahead. Yep. Uh, that we've gotten and uh dogie is a daddy in this he's like what is he like <laughs> 20 29 and he is he is on some drip it's awesome uh and yeah so this is like the oldest that adol has ever been uh and i think that like that maturity kind of maybe reflects in the game design whereas c- compared to ease eight where he's a little bit younger uh He's still. I, I mm-hmm. feel like that. Like that, him being younger fits this setting so well because I, the older you get, I would imagine the more episodes of Lost you've seen, and the more you would not <laughs> want to be stranded on an island. Yeah, you lose that wonder. Uh, yeah. One of the the big additions to. Uh, East 8 was the the raid battles, how you had to defend your survivor village, your castaway village from hordes of monsters attacking it. What was your, what's your kind of take and thought on it? Like, do you like Uh, it? So I don't really like Musou games or Dynasty Warrior games. And I feel like this kind of fits that Mm -hmm. niche a little bit. Uh, So I I don't know. On one hand, it's kind of fun. But on the other hand, it's like if you start to it loses its magic pretty quick. I'd actually say it's one of the weaker points of the game, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's ever bad. You know, it's never like unfun. Yeah. But if you're trying to S rank all the missions, which isn't hard, it's just kind of annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. It can be a little just arduous, but yeah, you know, it, this is like one of the things I think that they, they could have done less is more with. Yeah. I don't, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like they didn't add anything to me. Like I would have liked the game just as much, potentially a little more had that not really been incorporated. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just like, okay, we have to do another one of these. Yeah. It's like, and it does kind of sometimes kill the pace. Like the first time you do it, it's cool. Mm -hmm. And it feels, it feels nice. And it it gets introduced as a gameplay concept. So you're like, okay, well this is probably going to happen again at some other point. And that's okay. I think like a couple times, four times, whatever. Uh, I believe, and then the the PS4 version added the suppression battles. I believe 
but I never played the Vita version. Um, but the PS4 version added more things like that to the gameplay loop. And I don't I think that that may have like truncated it just a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. so that, yeah, it's like one of those additions that just doesn't really do a whole lot because the problem with them is that they don't really add much to the gameplay. It's pretty much the same thing that you do normally. There's kind of a lot of just shit blowing up. And, you know, like the the whole premise behind it is your townspeople help you out in battle. So I think that is kind of interesting that they added that dynamic to be like, oh, they're not just sitting here. They're not just sitting there like rolling their boogers and eating them. Like they're actually helping you out in some way, in some capacity. And it's active, but it just feels random because it kind Mm. of is because there's like buffs that they'll give you, but it's kind of RNG dependent. But like... The battles are in these like really small areas and it doesn't do anything unique with the battle system. It just makes everything Dynasty Warriors y. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Even as a fan of Muso games, like this just I was just kinda like ho hum moments. It's like, okay, we gotta do another one. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. It's like I don't hate it, but I certainly am not like a huge fan of it. But it's just like, okay, I'll roll around. Maybe I'll try out uh, another character or take control of someone else and see how they play during these these moments. Um, one thing I'm curious about, did you ever play the PC version specifically with the co-op feature? Uh, so I have the PC version. I have the co-op feature. I've never really messed with it. Uh, I would like to. If, if you want to ever mess around with that sometime, man, I'm here. I'd be down because I've, I've intrigued by it. Uh, I've never played it myself, or I haven't played it myself yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued by the co-op aspect. So I've of always, it. you know, so I'd be uh, down. you and I are of the same cohort, uh, which is refreshing because a lot of the people who I, I've been interacting with, a lot of the people with whom I've been interacting with, um, are a little bit younger. So I feel like you understand. Mm-hmm what I'm going to say here, and I'm pretty sure you're going to guess that I'm going to bring up a little game and it's three, it's three words. It is a uh, secret of mana. <laughs> yep. And you know, I, I would imagine, I think there's potential for ease games to feel kind of like secret of mana, but at the same time, I always wanted tales games to be evocative of that too. And I don't think anything ever really kind of hit that same spot. And I think that, ease could be i don't know if the balance of the combat is really mm-hmm. situated or suited for co-op but it could be an interesting experiment see i'm a huge huge tales fan so like i literally have every localized tales game oh, wow. uh so i completely agree with you i think the reason why the tales games at least so far can't get that same kind of secret of man and feel is because you still like you encounter an enemy on the field and then you go into a battle screen. It's not just like a wide open yeah. uh, RPG where East is. Uh, so I, I was a bit bummed that the new game doesn't have at least on consoles. I don't know if they've said anything about the PC no, version as far, no, or no, not, nothing, but nothing official, at least uh, not from Falcom. Yeah. Um, that there's no, the co-op is not being added. Um, hopefully they do. Um, but it is one of those features because it would be a lot of fun, like even playing th- playing through eight and really any of the triple games or games with the triple party members uh, being able to swap between. 
I think I just always feel like this would be a lot of fun with. I I do feel like it would be busted. I already feel like this game in general is the easiest East game next to the maybe the first Mm -hmm. two Chronicles, if you know, like relative to the Mm -hmm. rest of the series. But like, um, it may just make it feel like a raid battle at the same time. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I can I, can yeah. I rubber band real fast because it's like, sure. all right, I love Secret of Mana, right? But I understand that that game is deeply flawed, and the the only reason why I think that multiplayer worked on such like a powerful like level to me was because it had the novelty of being one of the first ARPGs to do something like that, and I mm-hmm. I think there is potential there for that to be a thing. And so, like, even though 20, 25 years, or no, what, 20 years later, 25 years later, um, the envelope with that hasn't actually been pushed that far out yet. So, mm-hmm. Falcom, listen to this podcast, man. Men, women, just do it. Take our ideas. Falcom, just just have us over in on a Falcom cast yeah. or, like, a Falcom video. Let's just talk. I, I don't know any Japanese. Great. I have... I don't either. I'm pretty sure with them being a big company, though, they could probably afford translators. Hopefully. At least one, one. guy. Yes. Get a co- get a college student. <laughs> uh, Google Translate. Just get that a college. That is the ultimate. Yeah. There you go. It's getting better. It is. Alexa, translate. I, I... No, Alexa, don't actually translate. <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, I, I heard her. She's giving you some shit. Like, that was stupid of me. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Sorry. I know you don't have that installed. Damn it. I just made so, it up. Every time um, I roast myself for saying boomer, or like every time I roast myself by using the pejorative boomer, my phone hears me mm-hmm. and it thinks I'm saying the G word mm-hmm. that triggers the phone. I don't want to say it because then it'll go <laughs> off. So, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> sorry, I just had to get that out of my off my chest. No, it's fine. Uh, I can I just say I'm a, amazed by the extent and quality of your uh your vocabulary you're throwing a lot of really big words at me i'm like i'm gonna use context for this okay i know what that <laughs> means but i'm very impressed with all of the very important sounding words you're using i, I hope they're not just uh, important sounding i i th- i honestly think they add to your they add to the conversation i'm not so that was not. very sweet of you though it made my heart swell a little bit oh thank you you're welcome <laughs> Um, so you mentioned we're to go, this is, I'm going on a brief, brief tangent here. You mentioned trails a mm-hmm. little bit, uh, a little bit ago. Have you played the trails games? Uh, sorry, taking a sip of water. Cause I'm an idiot. Um, oh. yeah, I, you know, so I played first FC a couple years ago and I didn't get very far in it. And then this April mm-hmm. or May, I spent an entire month and went through every single one besides Azure. Because it kept crashing my computer. Um, Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, I, I played the the GeoFront translation of Zero, and I I ended up watching like a summary of eighty percent of Azure because of that issue. So, yep. Okay, so you've played Cold mm-hmm. the Cold Steel games yep. as well. I think I was you okay. know what I was the first so. U- person in the U.S. to platinum Trails of Cold Steel four who didn't get a press copy. So I'm That's I'm proud awesome. of that one. That's my humble brag. So, okay. So I'm going to hit you with 
with my deep thought theory right Let me now. Get it. Okay. So, spoilers for Cold Steel Four. If so, turn that off. So, you know how in the end of Cold Steel Four they mention how everyone like there's a border, like yes, the goddesses or whatever mm-hmm. have put up a, a border. I think that East and the Trails games are on the same world. Yeah, at least, and that at some yes. point, there that barrier is going to come down. And it's going to turn out like they're on Eurasia or some crazy like oh, that whole continent is in the same world as East. That's yeah, what I, think. I think from I think what I shared. understand, I, I don't I don't know any uh, spoilers from from Hajimari, but uh, I'm guessing that's where that series is going because that's where all JRPGs go now. You know, is that like everything is a simulation and everything is an MMO or a simulation of a, something else? Uh, here's another here's another uh, like million dollar word for you. Is, is everything is a is simulacrum <laughs> of something else, right? So I I definitely mm-hmm. think that that's a possibility, and I wouldn't be super opposed to it if like it was kind of if the the actual plots didn't really get inter- intertwined in any way. Uh, but that's something that has been in my head in my head since the like the Gagarv trilogy, pretty much. You know, mm-hmm. like even that relates directly to the trails yeah i feel like they're outside of the trails world too like that whole because uh, i have the gagar trilogy as well on psp uh so i think all that stuff is like on another continent outside of the barrier that has been put up in the the trails it could be uh, is that something that you want i think i would be happier if the gog uh garhav stuff is in the same world i don't know how i would feel about yeah. east because I feel like East's world is definitely um, supposed to be a little bit more similar to ours mm-hmm. in a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a hilarious statement. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it like it's more. Yeah, things are more very clearly based on places here. That's why you have silly names like Africa, and mm-hmm. or the Roman <laughs> Empire spelled with without R O M N and M O. M U N and yep, and all that Bratai. Um, <laughs> and I think that's places. honestly an anachronism of the eighties. Yeah, you know, because like back then yeah. they were just like naming fantasy stuff, and because Falcom games have such a early Falcom games have such a deep influence from Western tabletop RPGs and D and D and stuff that like at least mm-hmm. you know aesthetically. I feel like a lot of that stuff was just like, oh, let's take Western shit and bah, spell, spell it weird. weird. Uh, we're gonna. It's always been my theory that like they wanted Adolf to be German, and so they named him like, okay, well, we can't fucking name him Adolf, you know. So let's yeah. just drop that F, motherfucker, and now he's now he's anime. <laughs> yeah, man. That's how it goes. Just to make something fantasy, just like drop a couple letters or change the. Uh change a couple but it still sounds the same boom you got fantasy versions toto's afroca i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it god i want that (laughs) i want a fantasy versions of africa speaking of music can we talk about the music in this game because of course because east is known for its fucking fantastic soundtracks it's so good um i think this i go back and forth i think this may be my favorite soundtrack of the whole mm-hmm. E series, 
Um, there's a couple songs mm-hmm. in here that are just kind of middling in there, but man, are the good ones there. You know, you got Sunshine Coastline, you've got Sibylline Road, mm-hmm. you've got the boss theme, A to Z. Uh, and the thing that's really interesting about this game's big songs or best songs, I think, is the sort of lushness in the instrumentation, the textural stuff, especially in the synth, it sounds mm-hmm. watery. It's, you know, like it, it, it moves, it oscillates on a level that's, that is like, that does match the setting. Right. And I don't know how much the mm-hmm. composers like really saw of the game when they were making this music, probably very little, but there was definitely a, 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 f- a big brain moment that happened with some of the composers and some of the tracks that got mm-hmm. made for this game. And like like Sibylline Road, this is a really good example. I know a lot of people shit talk this track because it's a Singa track and people hate Singa. But like that little acoustic guitar riff, it sounds like wandering, you know, and like the drums that that kick mm-hmm. in, it's it's just so good. It sounds like you're moving, man. The context or the song fits the the context. And if you're ambivalent on Singer or you don't like him, at least acknowledge the fact that that like maybe is a happy coincidence. I don't know. Yeah. I will say like the East Games soundtrack, there are very few other RPGs that whose soundtrack can get me as hype as an East mm-hmm. soundtrack does. Like the guitar, like the electric guitar riffs and everything is like it is so fast-paced and action-packed i just it gets me hype like when i'm exploring a new dungeon or a new um landscape or fighting a boss it's just like let's go (laughs) it's because um so there's like sonically it's because i think they have such an emphasis on melody falcom's sound Mm -hmm. team uh, and like I, I, I say this in every podcast that I do now because apparently this is one of my, my touchstones. But, uh, you know, the Falcom's big adage for their music was, you know, y- you have to be able to hum it. You know, that's like the biggest mm-hmm. think that think of this when you're composing, whatever. And, you know, y- you could easily hum a lot of the songs in this game because even though they do the, the quote unquote hard rock or J metal, th- J metal thing, uh, they're still very mm-hmm. clear. The melody is very clear. And that's why it just it, it pumps you up, I think, because it's like all those notes hit mm-hmm. in fluid motion with the timing of the game. Because the game and battles in this game are very fast paced, and they yeah. they switch between like when you flash move, you know everything slows down. Mm-hmm. When you flash guard, you get this like burst of like fuck yeah, you know, <laughs> you know like yeah. and so that gonna get wrecked (laughs) right so like and then the music triggers with that like and it's not just on a superficial level that's a very easy thing because all you got to do is just you know like make a a shredding like tapping guitar riff and then boom now you have a fast-paced boss theme but with ease it's way more dynamic and you don't really see that super often in arpgs that like everything comes together Mm -hmm. as well I hope that down the road that e- an East game comes out that kind of is similar in the same vein as Cold Steel 4 where it brings back like everybody for like an Avengers endgame threat. So 
So, like, all of Adel's, Adel's old companions and stuff kind of come back for a big fight, and you can just, like, giant roster, because I am a sucker for that. Uh, do you really want to fight Vigelian once more? Oh, wait, you do in East 9. Okay, that's not a spoiler. It's in the promo <laughs> material. It's like, but, like, yeah. okay, man, you know what? I have to, I have to disagree with you on that, though, because... I think one of the things I that I dislike the most about Trails is its grandiosity. And one of the things that I like the most about Ease is its ability to be individual and to tell individual stories and, you know, have each thing be separate. Uh, I, I have, I, that being said, Ease isn't, like, loose. There are definitely connecting threads that tie everything together. I think mm-hmm. people downplay that a lot for sure. Especially with uh, with if eight, especially with nine, um, origin obviously because you got to tie the game is called Origin. Yeah. Fuck, you know. Uh, um, right. But so like there is there are elements that come into play, and I think East East does that like pretty tastefully for the most part. Hmm. Um, I'd be fine though, like if because I agree with you. I like how you can pretty much jump in at any East game and enjoy it whereas with a trails game like you can't jump in at like cold steel 4 and be like get this anywhere near the same experience but like i just want to be able to like rejoin like all my like the old party members in like just a giant fight it doesn't need to necessarily make sense like if i know you're not a big muso fan but like if they did an east war i was gonna mention that earlier (laughs) everyone comes back where it wasn't like necessarily a super lore heavy and right. it's like holy crap, but it's just like a reason for you to have this giant roster cast or see Adel reenact like interact with characters after he hasn't seen him for like ten years, mm-hmm. like when he's older, when he's a daddy. Um, I think could be fun. Yeah, when he's right before he disappears, like because it's lore wise, Adel dies or disappears when he's like 65 or something yeah um and you know obviously not much has been said about that because like that's just something that they haven't written yet but at the same time it's like that very well could be that could be the anime m night Shyamalan twist too you know like maybe he didn't disappear maybe he became the world that was created in the image of shulk you know (laughs) like this there's a lot of things that could have happened the universe man He's a sword. He's a sentient sword now, mm. and part god and part uh, dragon bro dragon. or something. <laughs> that sounds right, though. They're JRPGs. Anything can uh, happen. But no, it's funny that you brought up the Ease Warriors thing because I was going to bring it up before, and it's also a very hot topic on the the Digital MLS Ease Discord. Which, if you like Ease, I'm sorry, I have to plug. I just have to do it. Uh, no, yeah, you. If yeah, you like Ease ahead. and you like talking about Ease. Please join our Discord and talk about these uh, these kind of things, because this is what what brings vibrancy to the community, right? But I, I think in that context, it'd be sick. But I, I would be cool with that because it's like a fan servicey thing by nature. It's not part of mm-hmm. like the 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 canon or, or whatever, and it would build like a, a different kind of hype for ease rather than just the single player games. But at the same time. I, I do kind of want a company to just be purist in a way. You know, I just want them to just like m- keep making these extremely quality titles and not get distracted with spin offs or East strategy yeah. or, you know, because they already kind of did that and they sort of learned their lesson because none of those East spin offs ever really 
picked up steam. Yeah. So for sure. I do always like when previous characters do make Same. appearances like geese and uh, E seven uh, coming back. So I would like to see kind of more of that. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be like everyone, yeah. but I want um, Frida back. Bring back Sahar. Yeah. F- yeah. Frida is awesome. Uh, Geist. Is it? I've always said Geist because I thought it's supposed to be like Geist, like the, like the ghost thing. Um, so that's how, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's actually how it's pronounced, but yeah, I mean like, th- see, that's what East does really well is it does these reoccurring characters yeah. in a really interesting interconnected way. Uh, Tara from East five mm-hmm. is in East six in a super subtle way. Well, I mean, maybe not subtle if you look at that Konami intro, Ooh. but you know, she's like, you're not a huge part of the story, but like it's a reference. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Griselda in ease eight who is from salsetta uh like stuff mm. like that i think that's great because it, it you know it's like you gotta remember that you know there's still a timeline you gotta remember that there's characters yeah. and people in the world that are obviously going to interact but yeah i think that's i think ease has done it really tastefully uh, i have no real major complaints with how they've done it and that i can't believe i just said the words i have no complaints about something <laughs> I, i'll rescind it later it's fine that's uh, fine. We'll, I'll, I'll give you one free recension. We'll, we'll do it that way. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> we are not the only ones that love East 8 Lacrimosa of Donna, so we are going around the web. First up, we start off with user Enrique30 from Reddit. They say, For me, it would have to be when Adol found Donna in the tree. Also, it doesn't qualify as fondest, fondest maybe, but there's a few moments that gave me a variety of feelings. Sadness about the captain, and a weird sense of fear watching the huge crater knowing that it's, some, that it's something that could happen in reality. In all, this game is, in all, this game is a masterpiece. I think he's his name is Enrique Zero. That's my. Yeah, it could be. That's, that's what I'm reading off this. It's my. Sorry, that was that was the only thing I could contribute. That's to your, that, that. That was your one takeaway. Yeah, that was like hmm. I was because well, I was like sitting there being distracted because I have severe ADD and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. you have the vocab, so I'll I will defer to you, Enrique Zero, from Reddit. But yeah, uh, a lot of things that uh, we touched on, like um, one of my favorite moments was uh, Adel finding Donna as well, and uh, everything with that happens with Captain Barbosa or Barbos. Uh, no, it's Barbosa. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot it, to even mention that. That is a, such a good. Hmm. Mm. Well, feel free. Go ahead. Oh no, that's I, no. I don't want to get too uh, sidey. Um, I just, I just want to comment that that was a good plot line. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. that's 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 as far as I know. No need to apologize. That the side tangents are what this show's about. It's just sitting down, it's nerding out. So feel free to talk about. It. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think. Sorry, I ate a gummy bear because I thought I had some time, <laughs> but <laughs> no I, time, uh, no gummy no, bear, only no Captain g- Barbosa. <laughs> Captain Crunch Barbosa is actually his full name. He was he, he was uh, pushing cereal before he took to the seas. But yeah, no, I, I think that, that that's really good because it's like 
especially coming off of trails where nobody dies, it, it's nice to see a character die. You know, <laughs> that sounds really cold-blooded. But it, yeah, it, it does. It does. That sounds really bad. You should, you should feel bad about that. But it, I'd like, like to see death. Where people <laughs> should die. I want to see despair. I don't want to like put people's heads <laughs> on chopping blocks, but I mean, you know, if, if you're going to tell a story about loss and despair, or mm. I mean not despair, but if you're going to try to tell a story about loss, you have to not pull your punches. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, it's still they still kind of do because like then like, here's the ghost Barbosa and he's talking to me in a memory, but like as a whole, you just you know it's it's kind of nice to see. Uh, a big spectrum of emotions in this game with these characters. And I think, uh, you know, that extends to Donna too, her whole story and all the people in what's Eternia. Is that the name of it? This is how much of a good fan of this game. A raid. Hmm? No, no, I think it might be Eternia. I don't remember. Whatever. Donna's land, yeah. Donna land. Um, yeah. in Donna land, uh, like, you know, she, you know, the whole, the whole, this is a bit of a spoiler. Uh, but oh, like a bunch of people die, you know, mm-hmm. and you see that like it, you, you can't tell that story that moment without having loss. Yeah. So this this game does cover a pretty broad spectrum of things. So yeah, it's got all your death, all the death you want, Joey. <laughs> all that. Okay, not quite all the death I want. <laughs> There's a couple people I would have asked. Okay. Uh, like almost all the death. What's the God? What is his name? Sir, the the shitty noble guy. Oh yeah, the big fat one. Yeah, that, like, what's yeah. his name? Sir, something. God, why why am I blanking? I'm so bad at remembering character names. Uh, no, that man should have died. Well, okay, yeah. so it, he, all right, here's my. Sorry to pull this aside again, but. That guy, like, okay, I, I liked how they did the fake-out death because, again, subverting your expectations. You want him to suffer because he sucks. And then he mm-hmm. suffers, and you're like, hmm, that was good. And then for a long period of the time in the game, you think to the, as yourself, as the player, the person who experienced it, hmm, maybe I was being harsh on him. You have to live mm-hmm. with his loss now. And... By the time you come to terms to that, with that rather, you know, he shows up again and he's still mm-hmm. an asshole, but he, he has like a mild redemption arc, but you know, that, that whole subversion is, I think why this game's narrative compa- is compelling. And you know, like when I was first playing it and I was going through it and I kind of said this before, but, you know, to highlight it again, it's like when you're first going through it, you don't really kind of see the nuance to a lot of this characterization and, mm-hmm. and interaction. And then, like, it, it hits you a little bit later. And if you were to, like, look at this game, like, from a bird's eye view and plot it out and say these are the plot details, these are the beats and stuff, it, it would look pretty generic. And if I were to, like, sit here and explain the end of the game or whatever, it would it would sound just, like, typically generic. But it's the execution of it. It's like the charm of the visuals, the music, the 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 budget, the mm-hmm. kind of shitty animations. It, it all turns this into this thing that, like, it's just it, it ends up resounding with people on a, a more special or 
singular level because it's not as mass produced or as accessible as like I don't know Final Fantasy not that there's anything wrong with Final yeah. Fantasy because I love it it's one of my favorite series ever but you know like when you play a Final Fantasy game you don't feel like it is tailored to you in the same way that something like this is if that makes sense yes. no for sure sorry for sure. getting off my soapbox <laughs> you want to take the next submission oh you want me yeah I'll re read this one um Alsa, Alsna, Alsna Kia, which is a Trails reference from mm -hmm. Reddit. Getting to the top of Mount Gendarme, is it Gendarme or Gendarme? Gendarme. And seeing the northern half of the island for the first time. Everything slowly coming into view as you make your way down was fantastic. Second would definitely be exploring the sanctuary runes in Adol's time period. Great dungeon and music. Yeah, man, that first... That first, like, big... Speaking of bird's eye, like, when you get a scope for mm -hmm. the island, and, like, that's a plot point, kind of, too. Like, the plot point is to, like, get to the top of the island and then take a look, see. And I think that's, like, a really interesting way of forcing the player to actually interact with the environment rather than... Like, on more than just yeah. a gameplay level. Yeah. Next up, we have user QML or QML from Reddit. Oh, so many great moments to remember. When Adol and Donna finally meet, getting to know all the villagers. I loved reading the wishes in the tree. Also, the feeling of progression that I got when the party can finally fight Primordials. Fighting Oceanus, Oceanus was another big highlight. Edit, just remembered all the conversations in the campsites. Those are also wonderful. Always love the interactions behind between Sahad and Rakata. Yeah, I have to say, this game has some of my favorite NPC dialogue like ever. Mm -hmm. And you can definitely tell they took the good parts of the Trails writing and went with it here, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, like Again, you know, base level, superficially, the characters aren't super interesting, but when you discover them on the island and you see what they're all about, what their personalities are like, and how everyone, no matter, as long as they have boobs, wants at all, that's also a thing. Yeah. So you always got that looking to look forward to, <laughs> I guess. There's something for everybody. <laughs> uh, Want to take the next one? Yeah. Uh, user Looney1023 from Reddit says... The moment when you discover Donna is still alive and joins your party. Oh, hey, that's yours, man. Also, yeah. I wasn't at all expecting Donna's backstory to be so dark and engaging. That one was mine. Learning what happened to her and her friends and the eventual fate of her entire civilization was crushing and extremely emotional. There's your death. There's, there's my death. There's your death. <laughs> It was like a bit of both of ours. Yeah. Both of our gushings right there. Looney. So if, if you mesh the two of us together, we become Looney 1023. We, we are Looney. I am a Moon Knight fan. So I think Moon Knight fans are called Loonies. So that makes sense. It definitely go. makes sense. Next up, we have user SandMonkey325 from Reddit. The true ending was probably what pushed the game from a 10 out of 10 to an 11 out of 10 for me. 
Sorry if that's not helpful, because you probably can't get into details on the podcast, but it really made me just sit there and try to absorb it all. I'll be looking to tune in, though. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode, Sand Monkey. And yeah, that ending was crazy. So without... How do you talk about that without spoiling? Um, All I can really say is... Tune in... Okay, so we'll give three minutes to to gush and like you can go over and spoil everything so starting now oh no i, I don't want to do i don't want to do that i'll just say that okay. it, it i don't want to like have to take away from people's like having that, that's that's never fun <laughs> um but i will say that like it's just it, the ending really is and this is like a art house cinema director response answer to this this is my david lynch response is that it's the idea is like a fish and trying to find meaning in the ending of of this game is like fishing (laughs) and fishing for ideas which is also a major mechanic in this game and i can't believe i just turned a david lynch quote against him and use it in the context of ease eight so i'm sorry for this I'm sorry if I've ruined this entire podcast for everybody. It's giving you a standing ovation right now. Okay, not standing because I'm still sitting in my chair, but ovation nonetheless. Oh. Bravo, sir. Bravo. <laughs> uh. mm. Just thinking about David Lynch's voice now. Just. Damn. That's you know what that that's what I want. I want David Lynch to voice a, char- a character. In in this in an East game, and in an East game, like so. Bringing this further into this, I, I kind of wish they had gotten a little weirder with the townspeople or campspeople in this game. And I say this mm-hmm. because I'm reminded of Twin Peaks and how strange and you know, like when th- that that show is all about diving in deep into like and realizing how fucked up everything essentially is. And I think that there, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that, but I don't know mm-hmm. if this was the right time in the series or even the, if there is an audience <laughs> to receive that <laughs> super well. I don't know. I don't think there would be, but you never know. You never know. Hmm. Want to read the last one? Sure. Uh, user Zerber Derber, from, sounds like the Swedish chef from Reddit. Uh, their response was Valley of Kings. It was my favorite dungeon in the game by far. I stopped three to four times during it and just reflected on what an awesome dungeon it was. Uh, Gendarm was incredible from the ascent to the boss battle to what was on the other side once you got to the top. I also really enjoyed getting to know each individual character. Even the NPCs felt like fully realized characters without any complicated backstories or excessive exposition required. When I think back on it, it really feels like an experience I went through with friends. I really regret not reading these before saying any comments because I feel like every time that I said something, it got answered in the next response. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Eh. I mean, there's nothing. It's not a question, but yeah, just re- reiterating. Like, there are a lot of plot points and things in these games that a lot resonate with a lot of people and. This just goes to show you that you could. It's it's easy to kind of tell by just what people share in what are big moments, or like what really is the big, uh, the big stuff in these games that I feel Falcom probably put a lot of time and kind of thought into. For sure. 
thank you to everyone who submitted their favorite moments and memories about East 8. We very much appreciate it. And as always, in the show's description for this episode, you can find links to each of the different threads where you can share your own memories about East 8. Now, let's say after we've talked about it and have gotten you uh, salivating for this action RPG, you're wondering where you can get it yourself. Well, we're here to help you with that. First off, with physical, it's pricey, and you might have a bit of a hard time finding it, but if you are looking for a physical version of East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana, you can find it on either uh, the PS4 or the Vita, or the Nintendo Switch. In terms of the Nintendo Switch, a loose cart price, according to PriceCharting.com, will set you back $53. A complete in-box price for the game is at around 100 and a brand new copy, you're looking at upwards of 120 yep. Collector's Edition goes for like 250 Have yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very pricey. Uh, for the PS4 version, just the base one, a just disc on its own, you're looking at about 47 bucks. Complete in box is around 79, 80 bucks, and a brand new copy is about 130. Uh, Vita is the cheapest uh, in quotes. It's still fairly expensive for a, an old Vita game, but a Vita cart on its own is about 38 dollars. Complete in box is about 63, and a brand new Vita cartridge if you can or Vita package uh if you can find it is about 85 dollars so this is a pricey little game it to goes buy. on sale uh, it's worth mentioning at least that it goes on sale digitally pretty often for for anywhere from like 20 25 mm. ish yeah. to 35 bucks but yeah. yeah we're actually getting to digital right oh. now my bad <laughs> uh, oops didn't see that <laughs> uh with the digital copies uh for pc strangely it's fairly it's normally priced at around 40 dollars, but like joey said it does go on sale so you can get it for cheaper the console versions are still at 60 dollars. uh check today still running at 60 and i don't think they go on sale much on either the psn or the nintendo eShop. so uh take that for what you will but let's say you have gotten your own copy of the game and you're wondering uh, and you're wanting some advice on how to start or just tips on playing. Well, we have you covered there as well. Joey, what tips or advice would you give brand new players? First thing that we want to say that I would say is uh, uh, it's very obvious. Learn to use flash and guard, flash move and uh, flash guard, because it really it's essential to the game completely and it sounds obvious but just take chances it's uh it's not as punishing as you would think on anything below nightmare even on nightmare it's not that bad uh second thing is get as many materials as you can and never skimp if you see something knock it down hit it grab it do what you can because that ties into my next point which is upgrade your gear because the more materials you have the easier it is to upgrade and you will get gated on upgrades if you don't pick up stuff and it just it takes two seconds just 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 do it man um in rpgs 
people forget that ARPGs are still structured like like regular turn-based ones. So if you're struggling with something, you don't need to have, you know, like epic god level like DMC compilation videos levels of skill to to pull stuff off. You're probably just not updating your gear or you know using the right thing. If you're really really struggling, not saying that some bosses aren't hard or whatever, but that's the way it is. And the best, I think the best advice that I can give you is approach encounters in this game like items don't exist because I per almost purposely didn't mention that items exist because they are a huge handicap. And even on Nightmare, you can just sit in a boss's face and spam healing items on yourself and just tank, face tank through everything. Um, but if you approach encounters in a way that's like, you take chances, you try to figure out openings of flash and guard move, but you know you don't want to just sit there and mash. You know, just don't mm -hmm. mash. You are so mobile. You have so many movement options. You you can your flash guard is like almost frame one. Your flash move has a huge uh, range, um, and just remember that some moves are easier. Are like any move in this game that a boss does. I think there's like three exceptions in the entire game can be guarded or moved. And if you're getting hit, like if you're trying to flash move through something, you could just be guarding through it. Maybe that that's the, that's the answer. So there sorry, you go. That maybe that was too excessive. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> and Scott? just, and just for new players, flash move and flash guard are done by, uh, dodge rolling out of the way at a precise time and guarding at the right at just the right time like right before you get hit so oh just yeah as a heads up very soulsy uh one thing i would suggest too in regard to that is find a, a controller configuration that works for you the best um i like to put them on the triggers personally but i know some people hate that and i can easily see why but you know find what what makes you feel comfortable this game is very comfortable once you get used to it uh it doesn't take that long to get used to either. So just devote a little bit of extra time to to just getting a good feel for it. And I guarantee mm -hmm. you you will enjoy this game immensely cuz it's it's very rewarding. Yes. It is uh, I completely agree. And for my tip is just keep moving. Just keep moving. Don't stand still. Uh the mm -hmm. fastest way to move around is by rolling and kind of jumping. Uh, this is these games are very fast-paced action RPGs. They're one of the faster-paced action RPGs that you will find out there. Um, so don't never feel like you have to stand in place. It's like stay in place for too long. It's it's not really how it's supposed to be. And just any way you can find to traverse faster is will be uh, will be lovely. Big thanks to NIS America. You all, you folks, you listeners, have a chance to win the brand new East 9 Monstrum Knox for the PlayStation 4 if you're in uh, North America. We will be giving away a copy, a code, a digital code for East 9. All you have to do is follow at IrrationalPod and Twitter and tweet us with the hashtag East 9 with what your favorite East game is or why you are looking forward to Monstrum Knox. Or, if you want, leave a comment in the Reddit thread, the special Reddit thread down below in this episode's description for the same thing. To enter in a chance to win yourself a copy 
of East 9, the brand new title. The winner will be announced on February 25th, so you have a nice whole month to hopefully you'll win a copy of East 9. to one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Joey, what enemy have you brought to the arena this week? Man, um, I honestly don't want to say too much about this. Um, it is a boss that is pretty big in the story. Uh, I will say that it is nameless. And it is a very weird... Uh, very strange boss that could be extremely frustrating but also functions completely unlike anything else in the game and I have to give it credit for that originality mm. truth truth when you fight the nameless their level is at 29 and they will give you 22,106 experience when you beat them they have 6200 HP their strength value is 229 they're not weak to anything, and their defense is pretty high up there at 1443. They don't drop anything, so like Joey said, this is a bit of a rough fight, so good luck against the Nameless. This is the one fight that I will not, that I always consider using healing items on, because mm -hmm. I hate it so much, but <laughs> it's just so unique and I have to just, I have to give it that. Even if it, it, maybe it's badly designed, I don't know. It still hits. Well, that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Joey, thank you so much for joining me and talking East today. This was a lot of fun. Dude, thank you. I, it was a pleasure to be on here. And it, it's always awesome to talk to, to people about not only just Ease, but Falcom in general and RPGs mm -hmm. in general. So I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope that that listeners who are at all even intrigued by this series or this, you know, this developer, give it a shot. Or, you know, maybe, maybe they know it and they just get reminded of it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing your, your, you're doing your part. It's true. It's, uh, I believe Falcom deserves m far more recognition than they get, and I'm glad that they're starting to get more widespread recognition, especially here in the West with East Games and the Trail series, so let's, let's keep it up. But more importantly, where can people find you online? What do you got cooking? Go ahead and plug yourself. See, we have a plug-designated area. Oh, man, see, I was just episode. sticking plugs everywhere else. Uh, you know, it was like a Sega Nomad. Like, my batteries <laughs> ran out, and I was just looking for an outlet to plug something in. Um, uh, so, yeah, you can find uh, Jump and Shoot, my gaming podcast, on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash podcast jump. Uh, we also, like I said, I am the community manager for Digital MLS, and you could go to digitalmls.com, D-I-G-I-T-A-L-E-M-E-L-A-S.com. It's a huge East fan site. It's not just a fan site to, to me and to our admin, but it is a, a veritable sort of museum of, of production notes 
uh, art galleries, uh, product descriptions, product photos, everything. Uh, it's a good series primer if you're interested in the, in whatever. Uh, and I think that's that's pretty much it. Sorry, that's a lot of plugs. <laughs> no, that's fine. Good stuff. Good stuff. Definitely be sure to give them a check out and join their Discord. They do. Uh, they're good community. Definitely a good community. But, but thank you, though, listener, and each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I would really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.